reading from Exodus 13, 12 to 13. You must present all firstborn sons and firstborn animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Reading from Exodus 23:19. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. You must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Reading from John 1, 26 to 29. John told them, I baptise with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognise. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River, where John was baptising. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Reading from Matthew twenty-two fifteen to 19 Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of his disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favourites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me a coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them and then they went away. Excellent. Am I on? Yes, excellent. Are you on? Yeah, excellent, good, good. Excellent. Thanks, Rani, for all that uh, reading. Goats, donkeys, walking by the river. You didn't expect all that, did you? But uh, hopefully in about 20 minutes, it's all going to make perfect sense. Um, we'll see. Good. Anyway, listen, to those of you watching online, you're most welcome. My name is Guy. And to those of you, uh, you're technically offline, um, but here in person, great. Uh, it's super to, to be able to speak to you this morning. So, I am going to start by just making a few introductory words, uh, a, a couple of comments about our context as a church community right now, and then uh, I'm going to try and knit all these scriptures together and talking a little bit about giving, about God's heart, God's heart for how we use what he's given us, our time and our energy and our money. Okay, bit of context and then all that stuff about giving and money. Um, so yeah, our, our context. So if you're watching online and you've clicked on this for the first time or, or if you're a visitor here or you've come for the first time, um, you join us at a time 
when we share common ground with a story, a narrative uh, about God's people, the followers of Jesus, church communities that's been going on for all time. It's been going on forever. Um, and it is simply this, that uh, the followers of God, Jesus' followers, um, church communities have faced really uncertain times and kind of impossible challenges uh, forever. And uh, what our impossible challenge or our great uncertainty looks like in amongst all the great things that we see God doing in our community, which is brilliant. We see it in the youth work, we see it in the community work, in worship and how people's lives are being transformed, in the school's work. There's so much that's great. And as we look forward into 2023, we also see great uncertainty. And it looks like this. Because our income as a church community, that's all the giving, all the donations and the giving and the tax we're able to claim back on that for those of you who are taxpayers, our giving this year in 2022 is about the same as it was in 2021. It's about 175 to 180,000 pounds a year. All the giving. And that's how we fund everything, which is cool. But when we look forward to 2023, our costs are not going to stay the same. Because if we use exactly the same amount of kilowatts of energy, gas and electricity, to heat and light this place, in 2023, our costs could go up, could, by as much as 25,000 pounds. And also in 2023, um, there's a grant that we've received this year to help with staff costs from the diocese of 30,000 pounds, and that will stop. And then there's this thing that you all know about, inflation, and just about every other aspect of our lives, also there's cost pressures. So it means that if we were to do exactly the same things in 2023 as we've done in 2022, now God may not want us to do exactly the same things, but if we did, we'd need an increase, an increase in giving, boom, 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 of 60 to 80,000 pounds in a year. That's 35 to 40% more than the donations we received this year. That's the nation, that's the nation, that's the nature of the kind of the uncertainty and the impossible challenge we face. But the story of God's people, the story of the church and of the followers of Jesus has always been that it's, it's, it's right and it's healthy to acknowledge the reality of what we face, to look at the circumstances and absolutely at the same time to understand it is never, never the whole story. It is never the whole story. Check out Moses. Nehemiah, Hezekiah, any numbers of your own personal sort of heroes of the faith. It's never been the whole story. Because over here, we have, if you like, the example of Jesus and back in Old Testament times of the, if you like, the spiritual practices of Jesus that we turn to, that we refocus on, that it reminds us of, that we need to align our activity with the activity of Jesus and our Father in heaven to ensure that we are following his will and we're trusting in his provision. So what do these spiritual practices look like? So important that we do these things, whether it's you individually, in your home space, on the way to work, when you walk in the park, or whether we do it together as a community. Just as Jesus did, whenever he faced uncertainty and he needed to know the will and the provision of his Father, he prayed. He worshipped, he praised, he took time alone to be with God, to hear him. He fasted, 
He gave up food to demonstrate the priority that his Father in heaven was to him and to give that time and energy to God. And if giving up food isn't a clever thing for you to do, then give up something else. Took time alone. Listened. We return to these spiritual practices and we wait on God for his provision. And not just the Bible, but there are testimonies for all time of then how God has met his people's needs. So we have this tension, and that's the moment you join us. We look forward to 2023 and we see impossible challenges. It's a great time to know Jesus. That's what we're here for. It's exciting. Sometimes a bit scary. Impossible challenges. And we then turn to these spiritual practices that Jesus lived out and we wait on him. And that is our context. And it's in that context that I'm now here to talk about giving and God's heart for how we should approach the possessions and the things that we have. So, three things. Three things. What's the heart of God in all this? Giving. What's Jesus' example and his invitation? And then the bit that you love? How much? How much? How much should I give? (laughs) How much? Right, first thing, God's heart in all this. And this is where we return to goats and donkeys and all that stuff. You think, what were you reading, Rani? What was all that about? So I want to take you to those first two passages of Scripture that Rani read to us from the book of Exodus back in the Old Testament. And the heart and the character of God in this. There is an enormous amount of wisdom and depth to the age-old saying, first things first. And that is what those passages of Scripture from Exodus are all about. The heart and the character of God is this, is back in the day when God brought uh, the law to Moses, these guidelines where God said, look, here are some guidelines. The Ten Commandments is what we are probably most familiar with. But these are guidelines to help us live Or in the time when Moses was alive, God was saying, this will help you thrive as a community. These are guidelines that will help you. And right at the heart of that law was the idea that in this agricultural society at the time is that when your livestock gave birth to young, to their young, you would sacrifice the firstborn. If it was unblemished and perfect, you would sacrifice the firstborn back to God as a demonstration of the priority that God had in your life. But it was also an act of faith. Because in giving the firstborn, you didn't wait for your livestock to have one young, two, three, four, then give the fifth. You gave the firstborn. It was an act of faith because you didn't know how many more young your livestock would have. First things first, the principle of the firstborn They gave the firstborn to demonstrate the priority that God had in their lives and it was also an act of faith that God would provide more young for them to live from. But also part of that was was if the firstborn was unblemished, perfect. If the firstborn in some way was blemished, then you would sacrifice another of the young of your livestock that was perfect and that was to redeem, to buy back that damaged firstborn. 
So there was the principle of the firstborn. The priority to God and as an act of faith. And then that second passage of scripture from Exodus tells us about the principle of the first fruits. So when you brought in the crops or if you had possessions or money, the same principle. The principle that God gave in that scripture was you give the first fruits. So when you brought your grain into the barn, you didn't fill the barn, work out how much you needed to live off and entertain yourself and do what you wanted to do and then give what was left to God. No, no, no. The first fruits you gave, you gave the first of what you had. And then, just like the principle of the firstborn, as an act of faith, you would trust God that he would provide sufficient for you to live off. So the principle of the firstborn and the principle of the first fruits, right at the heart of the character of God. And God is consistent. He lives out his purposes in ways that are entirely consistent with his character. So that third passage that Rani read to us, we go from the time of Moses, Jesus, just at the beginning of his ministry, he's walking along the river, banks of the River Jordan, and he's going to meet John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist who is calling people to repent, to change their way of life, to put God at the center and to live life a different way. And John sees Jesus coming along the river and he uses, he uses, he says these words which Ronnie's read to us. Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And everybody who, would listen, who was there at the time and who heard uh, John speaking would have known exactly what he was referring to because it takes us from that saying straight back to the character of God revealed in Exodus. Jesus was the Lamb of God, God's firstborn. God's firstborn. Here came God's firstborn. John was also speaking prophetically about the sacrifice that Jesus would make for you and for me so we could be in relationship with God. Here was Jesus' firstborn who had come to take away your sin and my sin, my failings and your failings. And how would he do it? He would sacrifice himself on the cross to redeem, to buy back you and I who are not perfect, hard though we try to be. So here was these words of John that take us back to Exodus. God's firstborn, given willingly a sacrifice to redeem you and I so we could be in perfect relationship with God. So here we have the principle, the heart of God, first things first. Ta-da, the heart of God. Second thing. I wanted to talk to you about that I said at the beginning. Jesus and his example and his invitation. I want to take you, this is a bit Ronnie didn't read, by the way. I thought four passages and goats and donkeys was probably enough. But here's, here's, a, here's another bit, which is taken from, uh, it's recorded in the book of John, fourth chapter of John. And many of you will know this. This is where, again, at the start of Jesus' ministry, Jesus, this Jewish man, goes to Samaria, the land of the Samaritans, the place which is the sworn enemy of the Jewish people. But he goes there. And there at a well in the heat of the day, uh, Jesus meets with a Samaritan woman. 
A woman who has been rejected. She's an outcast from her local community because of the way she's lived her life. And Jesus, uh, a Jewish man, would never, ever normally be seen in public talking to a woman. But there was Jesus going to the outcast, going to the person who'd been rejected, saying, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to be in relationship with you. And he proceeded to tell the Samaritan woman all the details of her life. And she was amazed. He told her all about the multiple relationships she's had, some within the context of marriage, some outside the context of marriage, the reason why she'd been rejected. And she was amazed and she said, you know everything about me. And though he knew everything about her, all the details of her life, he accepted her, he welcomed her, and he simply pointed her in a new direction to follow Jesus. Because Jesus, like God, is after our hearts. If you want to know the story of my heart, don't listen to me. Never mind my clever words. Ask me to leave the room. Go somewhere else. But get me to leave you this. And then do two things on my phone. Go look at my calendar and look at my bank statement. And there you will see the story of my heart. You will see the choices I make, the decisions I make about where I spend my time, who I go with and what I do. And if you look at my bank statement, there you will see the clearest story of all of my heart. You will see the choices I make about what I spend my money on, how I spend it, if I give, what I give, how much I give, and there it will all be. Never mind my clever words, never mind my pronunciations or whatever. There you will see the story of my heart. And just like the Samaritan woman, Jesus knows everything about me. He knows the detail of the decisions I make. And the same is true for you. So my counsel to you, knowing that all your circumstances are different, but that Jesus knows about your circumstances, I would encourage you, in the spirit of example of invitation that Jesus gives us, just to get out your calendar, get out your bank statement, and this is all in the context of whoever you share your life with, whatever joint responsibilities you have for your, for your money and your diary. Jesus knows all that. So within the context of your life, whatever you can do, get that calendar, get that bank statement, put it before God, print it out if you need to, and just say, Jesus, this is my heart here, and you know it. Show me, guide me, show me how I should use my time and what I should do with my money. And you will know, you will know God's leading in that. Because the most important thing is God and Jesus thereafter our hearts. The third thing, the bit that you love, how much, how much are you ready? Have you got your phone out? Because you want to make a note of this, won't you? If you know your old style and pen and paper, get your pen out. Get ready to remind your neighbor how much. You ready? The Bible doesn't say. 
okay? Scripture will not give you an answer. Let me elaborate on that. We go back to Moses and the law. All these guidelines. Back in the day, Moses and his merry men, sorry I'm getting confused with Robin Hood, but there we go. Um, they lived under a theocracy. What on earth is that? It was a system of priesthood, a system of priests. And actually the tribe of, the tribe of Levi of the, of the tribes of Israel provided the priests, hence the book of Leviticus, those things that concern the Levites. There was a theocracy, there was a system of priests. And the priests, they were kind of the civil servants of the day who organized so much of how the children of God organized their lives. The priesthood had to be paid for. They didn't come for free, they had to be paid for. So how were they paid for? The law given to Moses was very clear. Firstly, the law said, a tithe. You pay 10% of your income every year. Boom. Second, there was another 10% every year as well for the feasts and the celebrations that they used to, like the Passover, bank holidays, they cost money. Another 10%. There was, in fact, every third year, another 10% that people gave to me, other costs. So on an annual basis, about 3.33% recurring. And there was also the system of gleaning. So if you had a field, when it came to harvest time, you didn't harvest right up to the edge of the field, you left a bit spare. And that bit spare could be picked by those without, so they would have something to live off. Or if a bale of hay fell off your cart, you'd leave it there, so others without could take it. And if you add all that lot up, all the biblical and scriptural scholars, you check it out, um, that I've come across, say, well, the total amount given to pay for the priesthood was probably something between 20 and 25%. Something like that. Back in Old Testament times, when there was a priesthood system. But we don't live under that system today. We live under the new covenant with Jesus. And who's our high priest? Jesus. And we live under a system of democracy. And we have a government. And Jesus was very clear, Ronnie read it to us, about how much we should pay to Jesus. Because when they, to the government rather, because those clever Pharisees, those clever Pharisees who were always trying to catch Jesus out and who knew the law, they knew it by the letter. They tried to catch Jesus out, didn't they? And say, well, how much should we pay? How much should we pay? And Jesus was very clear. You pay to Caesar, the government of the day, what is due to Caesar? So pay your taxes and do it with a smile on your face. Because taxes enable us to meet the needs of our community, of our society, and to help those who are most vulnerable. Pay to Caesar what is due to Caesar. And then he was equally specific. Pay to God what is due to God. Which for me takes us back to those first principles that I talked about in the book of Exodus. First things first. My one counsel to you would be, First things first. Don't meet all your bills, decide what you do to have fun, and then wait and see if something's left to give to God. The heart of God, and therefore the heart, your heart that he's interested in is, first things first, 
Decide when your money comes in what you're going to give to God and give it. It shows the priority that God has. And then trust him that he'll provide sufficient for you to live off and thrive. God's after a heart. First things first, then bring what you have before God and ask him for his guidance. And then just respond to his invitation as you feel led. First things first, remember what God did for you and I, his firstborn, given freely for you and I. And then Jesus, by his example and by his invitation, points the way. There we go. Well, as the band come up, maybe just a moment of reflection. And I'm going to pray, and I'm also, in praying, just going to recall what I think is just a simple example of God's heart at work. Because I'm also reminded that whilst at the beginning I might have talked about tens of thousands of pounds, but you know, when God sees a heart, as I've said, that's what really matters. And every single pound matters because it reflects our heart. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for people's willingness to listen. I thank you that you guide us, but I thank you that there is never with you coercion. There is never manipulation. Lord Jesus, your example is to accept, to love us. You know the detail of our lives. Still you accept, still you love us, and still you point us in the direction of your heart and I give thanks for every person here I give thanks for those that give for those that give their time their energy their skills that give yes money to help your kingdom to help this community thrive and I'm just reminded that you know the week before last there was a man that came into the food bank here and um, yeah I think this guy you know he has good weeks and he has bad weeks um, life is full of challenges for him. But he came in and he came and spoke to one of the people helping at the food bank and uh, there was a, just a, a bowl on the table over where the food was being served where there was a bowl for anybody who felt able and willing to give to the Macmillan nurses. And this man came in and he had 70 pounds rolled up in those. He said, gave it to the person, would you put this in the Macmillan bowl? Lord, we give thanks for that man's heart. He teaches me something. He teaches us something. He teaches us something about a heart to give, a heart to help others, a heart to serve. And Lord, I know every pound matters. Every pound. And it reflects our heart. So Father God in heaven, we thank you for this church community. We thank you for your heart of love towards us. Guide us, we pray. And I declare in faith, together with everybody here, we trust you, we wait upon you, and we look forward to see what will unfold in the weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name.